Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Into the Prey. Welcome to a devotional episode this morning looking at a couple of Greek words that have stood out to me over the years and have been extremely helpful in shaping how I think about the church. So I trust that as I just briefly go through those today with some measure of application that it will help you as well with regards specifically to how you think and crucially how you pray for the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We are friends of the bridegroom of the coming bridegroom king and how we wait for him with specific regard to the church, to the bride, is absolutely crucial, absolutely critical. Matthew 25, our waiting, the anticipation of his delay and that posture of waiting as specific regards to our thoughts, meditations and prayers for the church, of which, of course, we're all a part, is so, so important. So I'll come to that in just a minute. I wanted to also, within this brief devotional this morning, give a quick update regarding the podcast because I'm conscious that the normal schedule or normal flow of podcasts from us, from from myself and including the episodes where Mary and I are together, have been have been less recently. I don't think we've published a podcast for a few weeks. And um, the main reason for that is the uh, the second book that I'm writing that most people listening to me will be aware of to some degree. It's a very full-on process, not only because of the 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 actual writing involved the work involved in that the mental um focus you know working on a screen all day is is uh not particularly uh healthy anyway is it we all know that we need to have times away from the screen and so on when it comes excuse me when it comes to working with text editing and writing and editing text it's even more grueling. So it has just left left me with much less capacity to to record podcasts and to even do these devotionals. So I hope that you'll pray for me. I hope that you'll understand. And um, with that said, um, there is a couple of there are a couple of elements to the podcast. I wanted just to quickly. Um, bring to your attention. Last week or the week before that, there was a very unpleasant exchange with a very aggressive atheist on a blog article um, that I'd put up. And I don't know personally if you ever come across this before, but, you know, a lot of the time people are just very kind of blasé about spiritual things and about Jesus, about the Bible. And that in itself is a challenge. Other times people are extremely aggressive to the point where they're not rational. And that's what that's what we experienced, that's what I experienced recently with a lady from America. And Mary and I are going to take some time this coming Friday to go through that, not with a view of in any way sh- naming or shaming this individual, but again, as part of our ongoing thrust to help us all to be prepared for witnessing evangelism, 
proclamation. Um, I think this particular exchange with this particular person has um, highlighted some some things that I think would we would all do well to have memorized and tucked away, not only for the the I suppose the general run of the mill when it comes to people who are a little bit more apathetic, but specifically for people whether um, staunch atheists or devoted Muslims or deluded Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever the context, there is, you know, a need for us to, to be on our toes. So we'll we'll do that on Friday. We'll 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 do a podcast together regarding aggressive atheists and trust that that will be of some help. Our series Gentle and Lowly has proven too much. We're not uh, we're not stopping that. We just haven't been able to move through it in the way that we'd wanted to. Um, which which brings me to another point, which is to comment briefly on our capacity in these different ministry contexts to say that we're in the process of exploring a way of freeing marry up um which of course will be first and foremost for marry to be freed up from the rigors of working in a demonic educational system um some of the stories are just uh, just make your your skin crawl so but it's also to give us as a couple more capacity to do the types of things um, that I'm talking about. So please continue to pray for us for wisdom and for grace about that specifically as we explore that. Please pray for Mary in that environment and indeed any other teachers that you know. I think the school educational system is a particular hot hot spot, as it were, seedbed of the demonic. If you read an email in the recent weeks from... Um, the Coalition for Marriage, C4M, you'll have seen the nonsense regarding the Charity uh, Commission's investigation into the mermaids and their appalling, atrocious, there are, there are no words to describe the types of things that are going on um, in the education system, especially um, in Scotland. And I've said that before, it is the Scottish Nationalist Party are particularly abhorrent in many ways with regards to their curriculum and so on. And the Scottish Family Party are doing fine work in that regard. And I'd encourage you to check out the the Scottish Family Party's website on which there are plenty of um, resources, but also signposting to the specifics of the educational system that you may not be aware of. And whether or not you have children, it's important to be aware of that for prayer and also to pray with empathy for people like Mary and other teachers or whatever who work day in, day out within that type of environment. So prayer's appreciated. Okay, so two Greek words that have been particularly helpful for me. I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination. I don't read Greek. I can't speak Greek. I don't understand Greek. I wish I did. I don't. And nevertheless, there are occasional subtle shades of meaning. If you read the Amplified Bible, it sometimes helps with that. But in being able to understand specific Greek words on occasion, I think just helps. And over the years, two words are that have lodged firmly in my brain, again, with the specific regard of specifically how to think of the church and how to pray 
for us all in that regard. The first word is splag chisnomai. Splag chisomai. Splag chnizomai. Oh it's a difficult word to say. Um, I'll put this into the show notes, okay? But the the word is is referring to one's bowels. I love the Puritan writers because of their um, evidently didn't really have a didn't really care about how a title of a book came across. Uh, I think it was Richard Sibbs whose original book, The Bowels of Christ, was then more recently um, altered to be The Heart of Christ. But, you know, we do need more books in 2022 and 2023 moving forwards with those types of title. You know, we don't want... We've had enough of the kind of -of run-of-the-mill type things and the bowels of Christ. Um, Where does that come from? Well, this this word, the word splag chisnomai means to have one's bowels moved and I suppose by implication one's bowels emptied but the the wrenching of the guts um as a as a descriptor for what it meant for Jesus to be moved with compassion to to be moved with compassion and to think of the bowels the, the innermost parts of our anatomy to be related with that so just to think of the bowels as they were thought to be the seat of love and pity for example love and pity do we as we think about the church today as we think about the the compromised chaotic contradictory nature of the church are are we knowing pity are we knowing love are our guts moved um, do we know tears? This word splag chisnamite is where, you, it, just as an example of where it crops up in the Bible, if you look at Matthew nine thirty six, which says of Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. As that word splag chisnamite, compassion, bowels wrenched, guts wrenched, the seat of love and pity, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, Matthew 9.36. That was the posture, if you like, of Christ as he looked at Israel, as he looked at his people, his ethnic people, but also his covenantal people, for the joy set before him endured the cross, which of course was for the Jews, but also for you and I as Gentiles. So Splag Chisnamai, we must have awareness of the need for tears when we think of the church, when we think of the bride of Christ being prepared for the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's critical. Paradidomai is the second word. And this is uh, this means to be delivered up to custody, to be judged, condemned, punished, scourged, tormented, put to death. The scriptural reference for this would be Matthew twenty-seven fifty, and Jesus. This is obviously weeks now beyond when he saw the, or maybe days, can't remember when he saw the 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 um, harassed and helpless sheep of Israel, and the the fullest 
outworking of that was Jesus crying out again with a loud voice on the cross, pulverized, marred beyond human recognition, such was his physical suffering. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. That's the word paradidomai. So you have spagchisnamai, where his guts are wrenched with compassion, moved with tears in that inner way that's difficult to express with words, which led him to then eventually surrender to submit to the wickedness, the evil, the abhorrence of the cross of Calvary, on which he yielded up his spirit. Now, the word paradidomai actually means more than just being delivered up or yielded up or given over. It's not just that Jesus yielded up his spirit and gave himself over to Roman authorities, Jewish authorities. It actually is more a question of him yielding up his spirit to his father. Because the word paradidomai is to do with being given over or submitting oneself to, but within close, intimate proximity with. So paradidomai and Jesus' self-sacrifice wasn't so much his guts being wrenched, leading him to give himself over to the Romans and the Jews. It was that his guts were wrenched so as to be able to give himself over to his father's will remember what Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, yet not what I will, but what you will, your will be done. Jesus prayed, yet not my will, but your will be done, Father. And this paradidomai, this giving oneself over to custody and to the implications and consequence of death was because of his close, intimate proximity with the Father. That's so important. That's why I think these two words are helpful for us to think about at this time in history where the church is floundering, where we see the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom worshipping demons on the doorstep of 10 Downing Street, where we see imams and the Islamic call to prayer reverberating around the walls and buildings of Canary Wharf. It should make our spine tingle, it should make our skin crawl, it should make us feel sick, it should certainly make us feel alert. And so we need the wrenched guts of Splag Chisnamai, but we also need to know the close, intimate proximity with the Father to enable us to give ourselves over to death, the despising of the church that is to come, mark my words. We're called, in Galatians 6.10, it says, especially to those... We're called to love the church preeminently. Of course, we're supposed to know compassion for the lost, but we're also told in the Bible to specifically love those in the household of faith. There should be a peculiar love that we have one for another. Galatians 6.10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Moved bowels for fellow disciples. Handed over to custody with close, intimate proximity with the Father for disciples, for brothers and sisters. Romans 12.9-10, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, Love one another, 
with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. This is the way of disciples, to be able to pray for the bride of Christ who are being prepared for the return of Christ in the context of a world who will not be prepared for the return of Christ until the church, the bride, are, and that within that our guts would be wrenched and that we'd be able to give ourselves over to whatever the Lord's will is for the sake of the church, for the sake of the lost world. Lord, we thank you this morning that you did give yourself over to appalling ignominy, appalling torture, appalling dishonour, in order that for the joy set before you and the endurance of the cross was for a future reality that we can barely imagine. Lord, that you're, as you saw people harassed and helpless, that your response wasn't one of short-tempered anger or frustration, but that rather you were compassionate and that your compass, your due north in that sense, was one of compassion, of wrenched guts. I pray for your people today, I pray for people listening, that as we look at a world that's wicked and evil, as we look at a church that is like a sheep without a shepherd, that our hearts would know this compassion by your spirit. We pray that there would be a peculiar tender, a peculiar tenderness towards each other, to brothers and sisters at this time, Lord, and that in that we would be prepared for that which is to come, I pray in the precious name of Jesus.